0: It's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and change. So, we're going to get this thing started. So, here we go. Hope everyone is having a great day. Um, for some reason, it says I'm not online. Okay, let's see what's going on here. <laughs> it's not working. What is going on? Should be working. This is weird. Well, if you're watching me right now, then I apologize. But for some weird reason, it doesn't seem that this is functioning. All right. Maybe it'll work now. Let's see. Let's see. (laughs) All right. Hopefully people are getting this. Is it coming? Is it working? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Maybe, maybe we're good. <laughs> All right. Hey everybody. Um, welcome everybody. Sorry about that. Had it's been a while since we've had technical difficulties. So I, I guess it had to, I guess it had to start, right? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, but we're here now, what is it, 7.06. Well, that's not great since we start at seven, but here we are, voila, says Lumpy Talk. <laughs> Sorry, everybody had some weird issues on my end getting my um, live stream going here. I don't know what happened, but uh, screwed something up. But here we are, here we are. So glad you're all here. Welcome to the live stream. Welcome to another Wednesday night. Um, so I have some pretty cool I want to share with you all, which um, I'll get to in a bit after some folks pile in. I Rod S. Was the f- made it to the first live stream. All right, great. That's awesome. Glad you're here, Rod. Um, let's see here. I think because of that wonky start, I'm just going to go and get straight into what I want to show you. So... Here's what it is. So there's this great book, which I want to share with you. Uh, Let me pull it up here, which I got a few years ago. Um, Just a sec. If I can find it. Here it is. Um, And it is fantastic. Wait, is chat not? Hang on. Hang on. I might have to fix something here. Chat's been really funky. Yep, just a sec, guys. Give me half a second so I can make chat go live. Sorry about that. Here we go. Well, we had a good run several weeks without any technical difficulties. But, okay, there we are. But I guess it was time. I guess it was time. Okay, cool. Chat's up everyone can see that now I think. Man that is being really funky. Well I hope you all can see chat. It's been weird <clears throat> for me and not showing up on the screen here like it should be. Let me try one more time. Sorry guys usually this works just great. Okay. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. Fixed it. Great. So anyway, I need a moment of Zen. Here we go. It's been, that was crazy. Usually I start this thing up and it gets going right away, but whatever, whatever. Um. Okay. So Rod S, welcome to the channel. Sorry that this is your introduction. Usually it's a little smoother than this, but uh, hopefully you're still here. (laughs) Hey, everybody. So here's what I want to share with you. Let me show it to you. This is a fantastic book and it's free. Um, There's a link to it down below. Or let me show you how you can get to it. You could also go here to this website. And if you go to this website, rainbowfish.anfacld.org.au, um, and click on Rainbowfish Book here, then you can um, download this book. And it is just absolutely fantastic. Just a uh, sec here. Let me get back here. And so this is the book, it's by Adrian Tappen. And I just want to take you through it briefly. It's free. It's just in a PDF by a guy that just loves rainbow fish. So check this out. So this is the table of contents. It's got a little bit of everything. It shows you natural habitats, um, kind of the history of them, keeping and caring for them, breeding them, foods. There's also down here a whole bunch of different species. And I'll show you a few briefly. And then, there's a disease section down here at the bottom. And I'm just going to randomly kind of pick spots to stop briefly and show you. I don't want to violate copyright or anything, so I don't want to get too much into the text, but I think I can just briefly show you these things. So check this out. So here's a section on parkinsonite, um, which is an absolutely fantastic rainbow fish. And look at these pictures. I mean, this isn't joking around. Here's the parva great information. And then the pictures are just stunning. And then there's there's a whole section on this habitat. Uh, here's the praecox, which is the neon dwarf rainbow we all know and love. So I just thought I'd share that with you guys, in case you aren't aware of this. It's a free download. It's been available for, I've had mine for several years now. But if you're into rainbow fish at all, or even if you're not, if you're just into fish, it's a it's a fantastic book. The link is down below, and you can go there and download it for free. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to share that. I guess is all. I've been using that book for I don't know five six years. I've been I got it before I moved here, so maybe it's even seven eight years. I don't know exactly how long it's been available, but it's fantastic, guys. It's absolutely fantastic. So. <clears throat> You can get to the chat here a little bit and see um, what's going on. Adobe Doc says, you were live, we were all watching you stream. Yeah, on my end, I couldn't see anything. It was funky, but whatever, we're working. It's working now. Janet Wittenberg, hey Dan from Texas. Don't know how long I can follow. We have some local problems down here with the wifi. Woo, thanks, we'll try to catch a replay. All right, well, thanks for chiming in. Hope the fish are doing well. HC, glad you're here. <clears throat> Daryl Dimer, welcome. Fish and glass. Um, first question of the night. Okay. Do all fish fry release pheromones to stunt the growth of other fish? Discuss. Man, I wish I could dig into that fish and glass, but the truth is, I don't know. I've heard it said, you'll hear it commonly in this hobby. People will talk about uh, the pheromones, in or I don't know if, if it's even pheromones, some kind of growth inhibition chemical that when the biomass in a tank gets to a certain concentration, keeps fish from continuing to grow. I have no clue. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. I've never dug into that. Um, I haven't looked for any scientific papers. They might be out there. But the hobby lore is that, yes, that happens. Whether that truly happens or it's just poor water quality from, you know, having too many fish in a tank and not keeping up the water changes and stuff, maybe that's what inhibits the growth. Um, I'm not sure. I will say that I have noticed if I have a tank full of fry, like a lot of fry, and then I take a few of those fry out and put them in another tank, then often... If it's the same size tank and there's less fish in it, they'll often grow faster. So I don't know, though, if it's uh, hormones or growth inhibiting uh, chemicals or pheromones, as you call them, or if it's just that the water quality is better because there's less fish in the tank. I really don't know. If anyone else knows or can point us uh, to a like, scientific paper on the topic, that would be kind of interesting because it's, it's something you hear about in hobby lore all the time. But again, I've never seen a study on it. Not that they're not out there. I've never looked. They might be out there. So fishing Glass, I don't know. Rod S., been here almost every week, but first time I was first. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I thought so. <laughs> I th- Thanks, Rod, for clearing that up. I thought so. I was like, I I think I know this name. I think I know this guy. Yeah. So sorry about that mix up. Let me dog. Looks like the platinum angel fish behind Dan still are not showing any aggression to each other. Nice. Yeah, not really. Um, I have made a video of them sparring, which I'll put up, but it's very mild. It's not it's it's just kind of going back and forth a little bit um, as they sometimes do. I think the trick with them is don't keep them too hot. If you keep them up in like the low 80s, um, then they'll really get going and fired up and want to breed and stuff. And then they'll start, um, they can sometimes get a little aggressive, not like a lot of other cichlids aggressive, but they can get a little aggressive. But in the mid to upper seventies, I'm looking for the thermometer. It's not, it's not up there right now. So I don't know exactly how hot it is in here, but at the cooler temperature, they're doing great. You can see it there. They'll, they'll spar a little bit, but it's, it's nothing bad. Um, nothing bad at all yep hey Jadrin, welcome 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 mickey made it glad you're here glad you're here Lumpy dog says don't forget to bonk that like button for dan yeah please do and thanks lumpy dog appreciate it michael wilson gis growth inhibiting substance michael do you know anything about it can you can you dig in in more detail um, do you know if it's a real thing? And if so, do we know what it is exactly? Hey, v welcome. Glad you're here. and Glass, they said that's why they change water often with fry. It could be. Um, it could be. The other reason, though, is just when you have fry, you're typically keeping them in a small container or a smaller tank because you're trying to keep the food very concentrated around them so that they can find the food easily and just eat a ton and grow. And when you're feeding the fry in situations like that, they create a lot of waste. So in a small container, lots of food, there's a lot of potential for things to go sideways with ammonia spiking and having uh, bad water quality just hits you really quickly. So the reason I change water frequently is not because I'm worried about growth inhibiting substances, although they might be there. It might be a real thing. I'm just saying I don't know. It could totally be a real thing. But in my mind, I'm just like I'm trying to just keep this water super clean so they don't have any problems um, with ammonia or with growth inhibiting substances or with whatever it might be. So, yeah, it's not necessarily the growth inhibition stuff that's on my mind when I do it. It's just I know that if I keep the water clean, they grow much quicker. So yeah. Um, real thing for you fish tanks. Haida and chat. Well, Haida and to you. <laughs> Don't you love autocorrect and stuff? <laughs> Hi, Dan, and chat. Hey, gotcha. <laughs> Sorry, just giving you a hard time. Doug's Fish Adventure. What's up, Dan and Fish Fam? Well, welcome, Doug. Glad you are here. Just got me a 75 gallon. That's great, 75 gallons are a wonderful size tank. There's so much you can do with that footprint. So I guess the question, Doug, is, now that you teased us all, what are you doing with it? What are you putting in there? Um, Bob Kaler, congrats on the 75. Yeah, I agree. Fishing glass, checking snoops. Okay, cool, yeah, let us know. Gerald Dimer, that's great, Doug, I agree. <laughs> he says, I see how you are. <laughs> well, this is weird. I actually made it to the bottom of the chat. I'm like caught up with you guys. That almost never happens. Almost never, ever happens. Um, if you're just joining us, there is an awesome link. There's a link to an awesome Rainbow Fish book down in the description below. If you haven't ever checked that book out, it's free. You can download a PDF and it is fantastic. So take a look at that when you get a minute. Valley fish, hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Well, Daryl, I guess YouTube didn't like what you said. Your message got retracted there. So if you tried to say something, say it again so we can all see it. Uh, Doug says, I'm gonna put my African cichlids in it. Good choice. Yeah, you could fit a lot of rock work and stuff in there. Make a good African cichlid habitat for sure. Fishing glass. It won't let me spam. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's it say though? Does it does it seem to be like is it saying it's a real thing and can it identify exactly what the substance is, or is it just talking in generalities? Um, HD Aqua Wowzer. it's five hundred seventy-six pages. I know, and it's beautiful and it's full of great information. So it's it's an awesome it's like the best Rainbow Fish book out there that hasn't been published, right? It's just available in PDF because this guy's an absolute Rainbow Fish geek. And this is like the capstone of his life's knowledge of working with Rainbow Fish. So it's it's a pretty amazing book. Uh, In fact, let me post the link here as well where you can get it. Um let me just post it in the chat. That might be easier for some folks than trying to dig down. So here's a link to it right there. Yeah, that book's no joke for sure. Let me dog. Here's a couple links on Beta Breeders page. Oh cool. That looks fan that looks cool. I'll have to dig into that a little later. Thanks, Lumpy. In fact, if I click it now, oh good, it opened it in another page. So I will look at that later. All right. Peter Thiel, I made some Rapashi today. Cool. Did you wear a chef's cap? You have to like wear a chef's cap and, uh, you know, have the apron and and all that. You have to be all ready for the Rapashi making. No, it's so simple, isn't it? You just boil some water, pour it in, and it's beautiful. What kind did you make? And uh, is it working for you? I love that stuff. Rapashi's awesome. It It's like a game changer for raising fry because once the fry you're trained to eat it, you can feed them something in the morning. Um, and then, you know, get ready for the day and stuff. And before you go to work, you can just drop in a big chunk of repash. You've got to fly down here and they can graze on that for the whole day. And so you can get great growth rates. You don't, it, there used to be a problem, especially for the working stiff like us, you know, that, um, you couldn't feed the fry often enough. So you could feed them in the morning and then you could feed them when you got home from work, but that might be eight to 12 hours, depending on your work day or whatever. And so that's a long time for fry to go without food, but live foods help, but brine shrimp will die after a few hours in fresh water. So, um, you know, the rapashi has just been a game changer for me because I can put it in there and they'll just graze on it and graze on it and, it's fine. It's a great way to raise fry. Um, let's see here. People saying hi to other people. Lemmy Dog says, Hello, Mob. Looking forward to those fish room videos. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Me as well. Um, Peter Thiel, I did not wear a chef's hat. Whoa, oh, man. Did you at least sing like a, a French chef's song? <laughs> <laughs> Chef Annabelle. Hey, Dan, my angels just dropped eggs for the first time. Hey, congrats. That's awesome. Congratulations. If I want to raise them up, should I transfer the pair to a different tank or just pull the eggs? Thanks. So it depends, Uh, chef. I forgot my water today. And I got my wisdom teeth out Monday. So, um, yeah, it doesn't feel great right now in my mouth. Um, So it depends on what you're trying to do in the long term. If what you want to do is see angelfish raise a cloud of fry up, which is pretty a cool sight. It's a pretty fantastic thing to see. Um, Then what I would do is leave the eggs in with them, especially if they're in a tank by themselves and there's no other fish in there to predate on the eggs and fry. I leave them with them and they probably will eat the eggs or the fry for the first few spawns. But eventually, they might get it. And if they do, then you'll be able to see this kind of fantastic thing of them raising the fry and herding them around. And it's just cool. So if that's your goal, I would leave them in there. Um, You're probably going to burn through a few spawns before they finally get the hang of it. And then they'll be good after that. If what you're trying to do is just make sure you get some fry, then I would remove the eggs And, uh, I put the eggs in a, did they breed on? Okay. So here's a question. Did they breed on like something you can take out like a piece of pipe or a piece of slate, or did they spawn on the glass? Because if they spawned on the glass, you'll probably have to take the parents out. Um, so they don't eat them and try to raise them in there. If they didn't, if they spawned on a piece of pipe or slate or something that you can remove, then what I would do is remove that, put that in a, say, a one gallon container of water. Um, I would put an air stone in there that's bubbling, kind of is placed a little bit above the eggs, so it draws water up past the eggs, but the bubbles themselves are not hitting the eggs. That'll create a good flow, but it won't be jarring and won't knock them off. So you just kind of want this constant light flow of water over them. Not heavy, just constant fresh water. And I would use peroxide myself, uh, probably two milliliters per gallon, but you can play with the dosage. Other folks use methylene blue and and acroflavin and all kinds of things. But for me, I like hydrogen peroxide. So that's what I would do. And personally, I would change that water, pretty much 100% of that water, um, you know, two to three times a day if I could. And each time I did that, replace the hydrogen peroxide. Um, that's how I would do it. If you're wanting to get a high yield. Now I'm sure other people in this chat have raised rainbow, uh, rainbow fish, I'm sorry, angel fish. I have rainbow fish on the mind. Um, and please chime in with your methods and your experience. Did you use methylene blue? Did you use something else? Um, what kind of setup did you have so that we can help, uh, help out here? Um, but that's what I would do chef. If I was, uh, trying to get a Good hatch or wanted to hatch this particular spawn and didn't want to go through a few spawns while they got the hang of it. Yeah. aqua oh man, this fly is driving me nuts. When you don't have hair to protect your head. <laughs> um, aqua I love the colors of Bosami rainbows in the morning. Yeah. They're fantastic when they're all fired up to breed. Absolutely. Bank, welcome. Michael Wilson, do you remember an article by Al Castro some years ago in the Jaca about behavioral and GIS influence on producing male-female pears from two isolated fry? I don't remember that. And I knew Al Castro. I knew him personally. Um, I used to see him at the West Coast weekend in the Bay Area. We would get together and have a big killifish uh, convention in, uh, in the Bay Area in California. And al Castro was was always there um, and we go down to the monthly meetings down there too, but i don't I don't remember that particular article, not that it does you know I'm sure it's there. I just don't remember what it is or what it says exactly, but that might be worth looking at, although two isolated fry that's a that's a small sample size <laughs> um fishing glass general info. And one of the fish forms that I visit got a 10 gallon growing take for the peacock gudgeons. Cool. And half of the fries just die off. Not cool. Plenty of infusoria to drip feed. I just don't get it. Okay. So let me look at this fishing glass, general info in one of the fish forms that I visit. Okay. I, th- I guess that's the talking about the growth inhibiting substances. Um, which was supposedly secreted by other fish to, to perhaps keep other fish around them from developing and growing quickly. Is that what you're talking about fishing glass? I guess I, I guess it's like a two part thing. I don't know if when you talk about the general info on the forms and then you talk about raising the gudgeons, is that two different things you're talking about or is that all one experience that you got? Is that something someone on a form is asking about? But, yeah, and the other thing is if the fry are dying off really young, really small, it's not growth-inhibiting substances. I mean, that's not going to kick in for a while. If, it's, if they're small enough to need infusoria in their dying off, then I bet it's a water quality issue or not eating enough issue. So if you know they're eating enough, if you see their bellies getting full and things, then it's almost certainly – although. I can always be surprised by things that I don't know, but almost certainly a water quality issue um, would be my guess. If what you're saying is you have tiny little peacock gudgeon fry that um, you're feeding infusorian or eating well, but they keep dying off at a small size, I bet it's water quality. That's my guess. Uh, Peter Thiel, I used 80% spawn and grow with 20% community. Yeah, yeah, cool is that for the are you talking about for the gudgeons or is that is that in response to fish and glass or is that a different uh fish we're talking about there peter um let's see i jumped here let me get back to where i was sorry mob guppy new video up today cool we'll have to check that out looking forward to it oh chef hannibal they the angelfish spawned on the glass well, that's a tough one. Your only option then in my mind is to take out the parents. I mean, I suppose you could get a razor blade on it and try to scrape them off and try to put them in a, some kind of egg, tongue, egg tumbler with tiny, tiny little holes. They usually have bigger holes than could hold angelfish eggs, though, and give it a really slow, this fly, um, flow. But other than that, I think, I think I would leave them in the tank. That would be my, my go-to on that. Uh, chef so either remove the parents if you're like i really need this spawn to work and you'll have a little better shot or just keep them in there and see if they raise them and they probably won't the first few times though um jh made it hey welcome how's the island treating you it's got to be late there but glad you're here um michael's in the house hey welcome 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 viola G Cunningham. Hey, Dan. My elegans are doing great. I'm glad to hear it. They're fantastic. They're fantastic little fish, aren't they? They have a neat pattern. They don't get too big. They're kind of unique in the quarry world. Chef Hannibal. Cheers, Dan. Thanks, anyways. Yeah, you're welcome. Did my best, man. Other people here, if you have better ideas on raising angelfish eggs that are stuck to the glass, please chime in. We can help Chef out. Bob Kaler. Oh, hi. And Michael Trevino. Lemmy Dog. How sleeping on the couch? <laughs> well, I appreciate the super chats. They got me off the couch, so yeah. <laughs> Peter, so I put the first dose in a new tank with a trio of guppies. I had a small amount. Do I leave the uneaten amount in the aquarium overnight? I wouldn't. I would take it out, Peter. So Peter's talking about rapache. He made some rapache and he's saying he put the first bunch in with the guppies, had some left. I would take it out. If you don't, what will happen is in the morning, um, any that isn't eaten overnight will kind of just settle down. So especially if there's gravel under it, it'll go down and like pollute the gravel. If it's a bare bottom tank, you'll just see it is like it looks like sand almost like sand just fell down and kind of if it was a chunk like like that then it'll kind of break down into a a spread out kind of flat on the bottom of the tank. But at that point, the fish aren't going to be eating it anymore. So I would take it out for sure. When I put it in in the morning, it's usually gone by, say, lunch or evening. But if there's any left, I'll definitely take it out before nighttime. Also, it's harder to take it out if you let it go overnight because it's no longer a solid clump. Then you have to like siphon it out or get your turkey baster down there. If it's still a clump and you can get it out, I would get it out tonight. Um, Oh, man, I jumped again. There we go. Michael Trevino, she never found out. All right, good for you. Oh, and Michael, um, I did email you. So if you didn't get the email, then maybe I just have it wrong or something. So did you get my email? And if not, then... um, then I'll try again. Hey, we got a look at that. We got a super chat. I'm going to go down and take a look. Chef Hannibal, 4 dollars What should I feed the babies? Should they hatch? Baby brine shrimp is the easiest as far as I'm concerned. You could feed them microworms. and Thanks for the super chat, by the way. Appreciate it. Um, you could feed them microworms and vinegar eels and all that stuff, but they'll be big enough, angelfish fry, to eat baby brine shrimp. And uh, that's usually kind of the go-to. So that would be my suggestion. I guess it depends too. Do you have live food? If you don't have baby brine shrimp eggs or cysts that you could hatch um, and you don't have microworms or any of that stuff, then you might want to try a really fine kind of powdered food like uh, first bites or... I use golden pearls and things like that. But with angelfish, I've had a lot more luck with brine shrimp than anything else. So you could probably get a few to survive with, you know, powdered foods and crushed flake food and stuff like that. But I think you're going to have a lot better luck if you can hatch some baby brine shrimp. So that's my suggestion. Okay, Hang on. I lost the stream, but I'm going back up. There we go. Bear. Hypnotic Aquatics added, uh, has a few detailed breeding angelfish videos. I think he only made a few videos and stopped. Well, it might be worth checking out. There are a lot of videos out there on how to breed angelfish for sure. So there, there is info there. Um, but what works for you guys? I mean, if there's something that you know works for you and you would highly suggest, uh, let us know. Michael Trevino says, what well, she would what she doesn't know won't hurt her <laughs> um all right uh-oh dank and mike just found each other so it's about to get weird fish tropic Dano. well hello welcome fishing glass same thing pheromones may be killing the other fry fishing glass ex- expert on hatching rearing not so much yeah that's that's where it gets tricky Getting eggs is often uh, the easy part. Hatching can be a little tricky. Rearing is where it gets tricky, where it's it's really tough, though, because you have tiny fish. You have to feed them tiny food in order for that to happen. The best way often to get a large group to grow up is to put them in a small container full of food. Well, that's a recipe for pollution, so it can be tricky for sure. Let's see here. So, fishing glass, these are peacock gudgeons, right? What would be my suggestion? Do you have another tank? Do you have like a small, say, five and a half gallon tank, something like that? If so, then something that could help perhaps with peacock gudgeon fry is if you get that set up. Get life going in it. Get some algae growing on the glass. Uh, Maybe put some java moss in there or something. Get some snails in there. Like get a whole environment going. Get it well established. Sponge filter or mountain filter. You know, something like that that won't suck up fry and damage them. And then move the fry there upon hatching. That might be the trick. Sometimes, um... Sometimes it's just that. A set-up environment can help so much. And the other thing is, you might not need to do infusoria. Um, You could for sure, but you might also experiment with other foods. So they can probably eat baby brine shrimp. Could someone chime in? Um, I remember a few live streams ago, I think, that someone was raising... Peacock gudgeons that I had sent them and they had spawned and they were raising the babies, I believe, on baby brine shrimp, if I remember right. So it might also be experimenting with different foods. But if you can get an environment going, then that'll help a lot because it'll it'll just steady things out. So that might be a trick that could help you out there. Uh, fishing glass. If you've tried other things and they haven't worked. Peter Thiel is using it on guppies. Cool. Cool, cool. JH Aquatics, Peru was awesome. I can't wait for videos about Peru and stories and all that. Like, I'm going to be geeking out hard on your channel coming up and uh, the co-op and, and all the other channels that were involved because that would be amazing to do that. <laughs> I can't wait. What was it, JH, what was the coolest thing? Like, if, if there was one part of the trip, that just blew your mind or you'll remember forever, whatever. What was that? What was the, the highlight? And then also the converse. What was like the worst part? What was the one thing that was just like, oh man, this was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mob Guppy, I've enjoyed watching the Peru videos. Yep. Uh, Candy, Prue looked wonderful. Yeah, I think we're all a little jealous. I think we're all a little jealous. J.H., we collected about five unnamed and undescribed species of fishes. That's awesome. Um, Dog, thanking Chef Hannibal for the super chat. Yes, thank you again. Fish Tropic. Uh, Nice, J.H. Yep, we're all jealous. We're all jealous. (laughs) G Bear, Chef Hannibal, he changed name of channel to Daniel Anderson, but Hypnotic Aquatics will lead you there. Okay, cool. Good to know. Let me dog. Dan's got a video on live microworms and vinegar eels. Yep. If you're looking at uh, how to raise some, some food for your fry. All right. HC, I just put a colony of dwarf raspberries in a tub that's heavily planted and just hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great way to do it. Let nature take its course. Um, Yeah, that's a great way to do it. Bob Kaler, what type of fish, he's asking, uh, J.H., Corey severums, et cetera, are the new fish? Let's see, I'm gonna guess uh, what kind of fish in the Amazon would be new in Peru. Um, I bet there's a lot of tetras that we haven't discovered yet. I know there's a bunch of plecos and catfish, so I'm guessing, those are my guesses, some sort of kerosene or some sort of catfish. Those are my two guesses. Um, fish tropic, Dan, what are your thoughts on toxic TDS rating? Do you mean total dissolved solids? Um, that's hard because total dissolved solids could be anything that's in the water. Really almost anything that's in the water column could read as a total dissolved solid. So, um, if it's not specifically like KH or GH, we're just talking about total TDS? I don't even know how to answer that. There are some fish like aphaneus and pupfishes and other fish that are specifically adapted to water that is super hard. Uh, the the Lake cichlids, things like that, soda cichlids, you know, all these species that like really hard water. And it would probably be almost impossible to get... Uh, too much of a TDS for them. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Um, TDS is such a general measurement. So uh, there are some fish that like super soft water, but I've always been able to keep them in hard water. And there are some fish that like hard water, but I've generally been able to keep them in soft water. I do think... It's easier to keep soft water fish in hard water than vice versa, just because um, you don't get the osmotic pressure uh, constant regulation work that goes into uh, keeping the osmotic pressure more stabilized when you're putting a soft water fish into harder water. Um, I'm rambling. I don't know how to answer that. TDS is too general. Um, for me to dig into there. So is there is there uh, fish tropic. Is there something. A specific kind of. Substance in the water. That you're wondering about. Something more more specific than. Total dissolved solids. Um, I might be able to talk more about that. Everyone's having a tea party. With fish tropic. J.H. Uh, at Bob Kaler's fish hobby. We found a gold ancestress. Cool, an epistogramma and a green ancestress. Cool, so two uh, two different types of catfish and a cichlid. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> I would have loved to have been there. Fishing glass, brine shrimp are too big. Okay, the ten gallons are established with cherries. One day I will get it right. Yep. Is there anyone on here that has bred? Uh, Peacock Gudgeons that has any tips for fishing glass on how to get the fry up. In fishing glass, is it just peacock gudgeon fry you're having trouble with? Are there lots of other fry that you're having success with? Or is it um, just fry in general and just kind of figuring it out? The basic rule is this food in front of them and clean water. So just figuring out in whatever situation you're in how to keep food in front of them that they can eat. And keep the water really clean so that you don't get the food breaking down in there and making everything toxic. That's the key to Raising Fry. Um, so what whatever you can think of to do that, that will be the key. Fish Tropic. Chillin' caught a notification, thought I'd come hang out with the fam. Well, we're glad you did. We're so glad you're here hc best thing seeing their natural habitat environments and understanding what these fishes really like so that's the best thing about the trip worst thing biting bugs at sunset and getting stuck in quicksand oh man that sounds just scary lumpy dog i agree most live bears just melt away and die in soft water my two cents yeah um yeah yeah <laughs> For sure. It's a, it's a problem. The way to mitigate that, if you can't harden your water, like I can't here because it's constant change system. It's an auto flow system. So I can't harden my water and I have pretty soft water. I just have to keep it super clean and that mitigates lots of problems, but still every now and then, um, like there's some guppies I've had here that I've had for months and months and months, many, many months. And every now and then, one will pine cone out, and it's just because its um, its body is tired of trying to keep the osmotic pressure correct, and its organs just can't handle it anymore. It doesn't happen often, but just every now and then. And yeah, live bears in soft water are difficult, unless they're used to soft water. Some of mine are in the. Th- third fourth generation in soft water and so they're they're doing great now but just buying a fish that's used to hard water that was raised in probably some brackish water something like that and then putting it in soft water that's really hard on them for sure v-stag hit the like button well v-stag is a very sage person and i think we should all do as v-stag says devin peppers what type of driftwood would you recommend for pleco shrimp mapani or chola well i I would go with Mapani just because it'll last longer with plecos chewing on it. Um, With shrimp, you could go either way. If you put chola in there, and by the way, this is all just, I've never used chola wood. I had good luck with Mapani wood, but um, chola will, from what other people have told me, it kind of breaks down a lot more quickly. So if anyone has good experience with both Mapani and chola, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm understanding what Mapani is, and I think I've used it before, I think I know what this is, um, it lasted a long time. Whereas I think the Chola will disintegrate on you and get eaten down a lot quicker. So that's Devin, that's my opinion um, without any experience with Chola wood myself. All right, um, Vstack saying hi to H2O Fish. Well, we've reached the bottom of the chat. So. This is the point where I'm gonna say, um, we'll wrap it up in a a little while here, unless someone has a question that they need answered that they wanna get out or a comment they wanna get out. um, If so, now's the time because we'll probably uh, only last a few more minutes here, unless it really gets going again. As those that are regulars know, one thing that I think is just painful is watching a live stream stretch out longer than it wants to be. So (laughs) you know what I mean? Those can get really boring. So hopefully uh, folks have some questions or comments to get out there. And uh, if not, then that's fine. We'll, We'll shut it down in a few minutes. The other thing is I got my wisdom teeth pulled out Monday. And so I'm okay with not going super long today. And in fact, if I've been a little loopy or not answered questions quite as well as normal or any of that, let's just blame that on the medicine that I'm on, okay? <laughs> so, sorry. Like Rod S, I, I know Rod S, I know he's been here before and for some reason, when he said I'm first to chat, I took it as, I, this is my first time here and I know he's been here before, I've seen him around, but the medicine's talking sometimes here. So, everything I say today, Take with a grain of salt. <laughs> let's, let's just put it that way. <laughs> um, Bob Kaler. Oh, Bob, you are just the most awesome person to have around a live stream. Honestly. Um, always appreciate the stream of information is always thanks, says Bob, as he throws down 20 bucks. Thank you so much. And the fish are in the mail. I can't. I assume they're going to arrive tomorrow. Could be Friday. But I sent you some extras. I hope you have some room. Um... And I hope you like them. And those turquoise, by the way, they're just big enough that they started kind of fully flashing and coloring up, but they're not old. So I think you're really gonna like them. I think they're fantastic. And when they fire and they get that kind of yellow orange, you know, from the nose up to the dorsal fin, that contrasts with the blue and turquoise on them, they're a cool fish. I don't think they show up the greatest in camera usually, which is why I didn't put them in here, Usually they kind of look like a blue, maybe a little shiny fish on camera, but in person, man, you're going to, you're going to love those. I'm excited for you to get them. Um, HC Aqua says, I've seen plecos get stuck on cholo wood and can't throw the middle without ripping up their fins. Um, Okay. So HC Aqua's seen plecos get stuck in cholo wood. That makes sense with all the little grooves in there and stuff, or the little holes in it and stuff. Yeah. Let me talk. Shrimp love chola wood. Lots of hiding places in surface area. Yeah. And shrimp don't eat the wood down like a pleco would, right? So uh, I bet better... a – yeah. So plecos would probably munch on it pretty quick. But shrimp, it would probably last a little longer. Britt Barr. Hi, Dan. Can I hit you up via email for some fish room filtering advice? Yeah, absolutely. Or ask right now because, um, I mean, you can email me if you have a question you want to throw down right now. We can talk about it now too. There's no specific topic for today. I'm just glad I could make it at all today because with this surgery and everything, it's been a little weird. I was supposed to get my wisdom teeth out a few weeks ago. In fact, I delayed a shipment uh, and sent it on a Tuesday instead of a Monday because I thought I was having it, but then they had to reschedule. And then uh, a patron uh, in my theater company passed away, and he was an awesome guy, did tons of amazing work for the arts, and he made life better for everyone in this community, not just in the arts. He did tons of tons of work to help people. And his funeral was uh, a Monday. So I had to go to that. And then I finally got this done this week. So, um, yeah, so I'm just glad I'm here at all. When my I remember when my brother got his wisdom teeth out, he was like in pain, big old swollen face, like all kinds of problems. If I remember right I was a teenager but in my wife said when she got it done she was like like her cheeks got massive and she was like just in horrible pain for days it's been pretty good for me but um it hasn't been great it's not fun but but I'm glad I could make it today and be with y'all a uh, lumpy dog says I've had cholo wood in my tanks for over two years with no noticeable breakdown at a ph 7.6 to 7.8 if that matters yeah that totally matters um, did you have plecos in there chewing on it? Because part of the question was for plecos and shrimp. Um, and what I'm wondering is if plecos will chew down chola wood really quick, whereas the mapani might last longer. So lumpy, did you have uh, plecos chewing on it or not? Cause if you did and it still lasted, then maybe I'm wrong. Maybe chola would last just fine. Again, I've never used chola wood, so I'm just going off things I've heard. So, um, it looks like it's working just fine for Lumpy Dog. Lumpy Dog. Well, hello, Bob. Thank you very much. Yes, I agree. TM Aquatics. Oh, hey, Priscilla. Welcome. TM Aquatics, have you ever had granite rocks leach silicates? I'm sure I have. Um, man, when I was a kid, I put every rock I found in the tank. I'm sure he leached silicates, but I didn't know and I don't think it harmed the fish. It probably gave me an algae bloom or something. And this tank right here, I have like playground sand. It's full of silicates. So I have to actually scrub the front pane of this uh, 120 gallon tank once or twice a week, or it'll just be covered in green spot algae. So silicates definitely will create an algae bloom. Um, But I don't know for sure if the granite would leach it or not, TM. Does anyone else know? I haven't I haven't used it in my adult life, granted, so I'm not quite sure. Priscilla. Dan, I thought that was me. I see how it is. What the hell, Dan? I thought that was me. I see how it is. Wait, what did I do, Priscilla? Oh, I don't know. Priscilla, I don't know if I missed a comment or something. Did I screw something up? Sorry. I really don't know what I did. <laughs> I'm sorry, Priscilla. Whatever it was, JH. I've wild caught nano blue tetras coming from blue from Peru, from blue. This is the medicine talking from Peru. How would you recommend breeding this nano fish? Oh, that's a great question. Um, can I find it real quick? I want to show you something. Rotifer. Um, I don't know if I can find this real quick, but there is. It's not on this computer. I have it bookmarked on my computer upstairs. So the the you're going to be able to. Well, I assume they'll breed for you. They're I'm I, and I assume they're an egg scatterer. Um, the trick is going to be feeding those little buggers. So I like the idea of what Thomas was talking about last week, how he breeds the diamond Tetris. So he just has a lot of like leaf litter and things in the bottom of the tank and spawns them in there. And what he does is he just leaves them in there and enough of the babies live in the leaf litter until they're about an eighth of an inch long or so and start kind of darting out and gradually join the community. So that's like a no work kind of way to do it. Um, just have a bunch of leaf litter in there so the fish can hide and there's stuff growing in there that they can eat. You won't raise a ton that way but you'll probably get a few and the tannins and all that will help as well. Now the other way that you might be able to do it is to do that but then remove the parents and then um, the trick is feeding them. There's a couple ways to do it the one that i think is the most stable is to culture rotifers which i'm not doing right now but if you google it you can find this very affordable uh rotifer hatching setup it's like a five gallon bucket it's going to be like 40 50 bucks which sounds expensive but this has the food this has the rotifer starter culture this has um kind of the filter system you need to keep the water going, but not suck up the rotifers with like a a mesh screen and things like that. That system looks fantastic and would be a great way, I think, to have constant live food. The other way you could do it is if you haven't checked out, let me put a shout out here to Michael's. um, Hang on. I've got to find out exactly. I think um mark's aquatics check out mark's aquatics he's got neon tetras breeding and he's raising those he's got zebra daniel's breeding he's raising those i would look at his neon tetra breeding series it's a four-part series and look at that he has a really kind of simple way of doing it and he feeds them with infusoria which he grows with just like Boiling water to purify it and then adding a little bit of broccoli or some other such, you know, some kind of vegetable matter. And then getting a squeeze of aquarium water into that. That's how he cultures infusoria. And he's had pretty good luck raising tetras that way. And he explains it all better than any of my videos specific to tetras. So check out Mark's Aquatics. I think J.H. would be The best thing to do. But here's what he does. He puts some uh, Java moss or whatever in an aquarium with some gravel. It's probably a two and a half gallon aquarium, maybe a five gallon. It's a small tank. Uh, He puts a pair of Tetras in there. They spawn. He takes them out. Before he sets them up to spawn, he's got the infusoria culture started so that it blooms kind of right as the fry hatch. And then as soon as the fryer free swimming, he starts feeding the infusoria. And it's pretty easy peasy. He kind of just keeps it a more naturalistic setup and he raises quite a few that way. So I would I've I've kind of been looking at his stuff thinking, hey, that would be a good way to do it. Um Bob Kayler says, Lol to Priscilla, I'm still wondering what I did. <laughs> um Select Pet. Hi, folks. Checking in for a moment. Well, glad you're here. Welcome. Gerald Demer. Hi, it's Select Pet. Let me dog. Thanks for checking in. Yep. Everyone's saying hi to Select. Got a tea party going on with Select here. Um, Finding the stream. Sorry, it jumped on me. It does that. Let me dog. I have those no plecos in with the chola wood. They don't typically eat much wood. Some other pleco types might do. Yeah, like a royal pleco or panoc of some kind might chew it down. But cool. So, so it looks like Lumpy Dog's having good luck with cholo wood, even with bristlenose plecos. So if that helps at all to answer that question. Um, Jad Orzy, Hey, welcome. Glad you're here. Fish Tropic says, hit Dan's syrup. <laughs> Priscilla. My battery just died as I was taking crap. What happened? I don't know. Um, I, I saw a comment, Priscilla, that said like, um, oh, I see how it is. Oh, maybe you weren't talking to me. And then I was just wondering what I did because I thought I'd put my foot in my mouth with you or something. But I don't know, Priscilla. Most people were just saying hi and that they love you. So <laughs> let's see here. Hang on. I've got to find the chat again. Devin. So, Lumpy Dog, would you recommend chola wood for bristle nose and shrimp? Sounds like it. Um, Devin says, and did you boil the wood, Lumpy Dog? Lumpy Dog says, I don't know about recommending, but that's what I have in some of my tanks. Did not boil the wood. Just let it float in buckets for a few days. Cool. Hearts from Priscilla. My life is now complete. <laughs> there you go. You can die a happy man. Um, Priscilla says, Lumpy Dog, you're funny. And Lumpy Dog says, Yes, I am funny looking. Uh, Priscilla, (laughs) that's not what I said. All right. Fish Tropic, what is the most common mistake you make in the fish room and have you learned from them? Yeah, for me, for me, I think it's not checking in with the fish um, and just assuming that everything's fine in the tank. So, This even before everything was automated, it would just, if I don't take the time every few days to check in on a tank, things can go sideways and I won't even notice it till it's too late. So I think for me it's right now, it's just making sure that I check in on the tank, that I don't just assume everything's okay, that I take a few minutes um, to fairly frequently to just look and really look at the fish and make sure that, that they are in fact okay. Because fish are funny, they, they're they asymptomatic. So they know that if they show weakness, they're gonna get eaten, right? So a fish in the wild is not going to show that anything's wrong until it absolutely can't help it, until its body is broken down to the point that it, it can't be normal anymore. Us, if we get a little owie on our foot, you know, we might limp a little bit. You know, fish isn't going to do that. It's going to power through it. Otherwise it's just going to get picked off. So it feeding time, um, just taking the time to watch and make sure that everyone's actually eating and everyone's fins are in good condition and their eyes are bright and that everything's good. You know, if you do that in my fish room, if I do that with a few tanks each time I feed and kind of rotate through, then every week I'm taking some real time to check in, um, each tank probably gets a real check in one to three times a week, depending on, on my, my schedule. So I think that's what it is. It used to be water changes. It used to be not enough water changes, not frequently enough, not, not regular water changes. So either too frequently and then stopping or going a long time and then trying to clean up and do a bunch, you know, those, those early kind of hobbyist things I would do, but now it's just checking in. Um, Priscilla throwing down five bucks says, I give up. I apologize. (laughs) Well, thanks for the super chat, Priscilla. And you're always welcome. And you know what? I'm apologizing all the time because I'm always saying dumb stuff. I don't think you said anything dumb or wrong. Maybe I haven't got to it yet, but um, we're glad you're here. Thanks for the super chat, but thanks for just being here too. And, uh, And for sharing your art with the world. I mean, cool fish art. Why would we not need more of that? <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, fish tropic. I think that's my most common mistake. Let's see if other people have mistakes they want to chime in and about. Michael Wilson: A fast start for infusoria culture. K is to use some water drained from a grindle or white worm culture. Fast and no awful smell. Yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. Or sponge grunge. You can uh, take your sponge filter if you have one. Or some kind of filter medium and kind of, you know, squeeze that out or or shake that out and get some stuff out of that to start it too. Yep. I think, though, in order for an infusoria culture to thrive and really kind of blossom, it's got to have a food source. And if I'm correct, I'd have to read my live food book by Michael Helwig again, which is another fantastic book. Michael Helwig wrote culturing live foods or something like that it's great um but i think that the infusoria eat the bacteria that is breaking down the vegetable matter and so there's there can be a little bit of smell with that to keep it going long term because the infusoria needs that bacteria bloom has to happen before the infusoria bloom can happen and um th- that bacteria bloom kind of smells a little bit but, yeah, you're right. That's a good jump start. And maybe if you got enough in there, maybe there wouldn't be a, a smell because it would just eats the bacteria so quick. So, yeah. Let me dog. I don't try to get high fry. Okay. I thought it was stopping there. I don't try to get high, period. No. Let me dog says, I don't try to get high fry yields. I just community breed in heavily planted established tanks. Yeah. The tiny fry will eat on the microorganisms and algae in the tank and survive no problem. Yeah. So... Lumpy Dog has some videos of that with like his white clouds. Um, that's a good video. And often if you have a tank that's well established and has a lot of plants in it and stuff, you can get a few fry going, right? Not always. Um, there are some fish that will just hunt down no matter what because that's how they're driven. But But in general, a lot of fish can breed slow and steady that style. You won't get a lot, but you'll get some and it's still fun, right? Jeff Chambers, hi Dan, finally got some peacock gudgeon fry. Yes, the male is already sitting on some eggs only a week later. What the heck am I gonna do with them all? Yeah, well, I don't know if you have space, but there's definitely a market for peacock gudgeons. Um, And Jeff, could you tell us um, kind of how you got the fry through their first two weeks? What did you feed? What kind of setup did you have? we were discussing earlier, someone was having some issues raising peacock gudgeon fry. So can you tell us your secrets or the method you used? And um, yeah, how do you raise them? What size tank or container? What kind of foods? How often do you change the water? Things like that. Because there was someone in the chat earlier that was having some trouble and maybe we can help them out. But That's awesome to hear about that. There's definitely a market for peacock gudgeons. Um, They're Never going to be a very low-priced fish just because they don't spawn in mass like barbs or tetras and some of those other fish do. And so, man, if you can raise them, it's a good one to raise. (laughs) But what are you going to do with them all? Well, you don't really need a bathtub, right? You don't need to shower. So just put them in the bathtub. You'll be good. And then when that's full, put them in the kitchen sink. You know, you'll you'll find ways to do it. (laughs) Priscilla. I wasn't taking... Jeez, I said talking. <laughs> if Tropic says, it spin. <laughs> we're glad you're here, Priscilla. Um, Do you keep shrimp? Dan asked Priscilla. I have a couple cherry shrimp um, right now. I don't have many shrimp. The first shrimp, believe it or not, the first shrimp I ever kept in bread were crystal red shrimp. And it was awesome because the um i got them at a wholesaler and i remember i remember when i got them i traded some killifish for them to the wholesaler and they were talking about how difficult they were and how they needed soft acidic water and all this stuff for the crystal red shrimp and i took them home to my super hard santa barbara water i put them in a five and a half gallon aquarium it was stuffed with java moss i mean it's well established had a lot of plants in it and things and man, they loved that thing. And they just bred like crazy in there. So, um, you know, they did fine for me. So Crystal Red Shrimp, I'll never forget going back to the wholesaler. Actually, I didn't go back to the wholesaler. He came to my house because he was a friend. He came and visited. And I showed him the tank and he was like, he didn't believe it. I had been telling him I would bred him and I had tons and he didn't believe me. And then he showed up and he saw the tank and he's like, oh, man because <laughs> you got shrimp of all different life si- stages in there, all different sizes and stuff, and it's just packed. So I love Crystal Reds. Um, I like cherries, too. I have a few Neocaridinas right now, but I don't have a lot, and it's just a space thing. I eventually, when I first set up these six 20-gallon aquariums, I thought I'll turn those into shrimp tanks. They ended up becoming, like, live food reservoirs and, like, overflow tanks and things like that, but... Right now, the closest thing I have to a big shrimp colony is scuds, amphipods, um, and just a few crystals. Priscilla says, I stole some from Michael Trevino. Didn't say you're going to come down here to visit. Yeah, I, I hope to get down there. Um, I emailed Michael. I don't know if he got the email. But um, at some point, I want to get down there, Priscilla. And I want to do it when there's a fish club meeting. I'm, I'm on the... Uh, facebook group for the denver fish club i forget the name of it so i want to go when there's a meeting so i can go to a meeting maybe bring some fish down to donate to the club for an auction and what i'd love to do is turn it into a weekend or a couple days or something and go and uh see some people's fish rooms maybe film some fish rooms if they're willing to let me do that things like that so i'd like to make a trip out of it and and i will bring fish so yeah select pet Tropic having owned a pet store I have made a ton of mistakes with fish yeah I bet so what was like the uh I guess what was the doozy what was the one that still you wake up at 3 a.m thinking about (laughs) what was that one or if you don't want to share that one just a fun one but yeah fishing glass Dan you need to drink water I know I know um you don't want to get dry socket with the wisdom teeth pulled I agree And I've been drinking a ton of water. I just forgot to bring my water bottle down here before I started the live stream. Things got, I don't know. I wonder how much is the technical problems or I wonder if the technical problems were caused by my fuzzy state of mind right now. But um, yeah, when this ends, I'll go drink some. But I've been hydrating really well. So yeah. In general, just, I just don't have my bottle with me down here. Um... Priscilla, stay hydrated. Yep, yep, I am. Let me dog. Ask Dan's lovely wife about fish tanks or live food containers in her bathroom. She must be a saint. Yep, Brenda has put up with a lot. I mean, it's really nice to have a supportive spouse for sure. <laughs> but it also isn't something that is sustainable, right? That that couldn't last forever. But yeah, I used to hatch brine shrimp in the bathroom uh, next to the sink and um yeah every now and then if the lid wasn't on right she'd be putting on her makeup or something and it would splash out and splash her and stuff i mean she's a very tolerant lady i'm lucky to have her priscilla colorado aquarium society i'll come too. i never go to the meetings there will be a larger fish auction yeah so whenever it happens let's try to um gather up as many people as we can and like just show up in mass and have a have a surprise, big old meeting for them. That would be awesome. Jeff Chambers, I'll let the male tend the eggs. Okay, so um this might help with this is the advice on how to raise the peacock gudgeon. So this might help. Um, geez, this medicine is making me fuzzy. Was it fishing glass that um was wondering, having trouble with that? I can't remember. Or was that the angel fish? I'm not even gonna try to remember right now, but um. Jeff says, I let the male tend the eggs until it looked like they hatched, poured him in the fry, through a net to separate, filled my five gallon quarantine tank with half regular water. Oh, and then half green water from the pond. Well, that's a good hack. Tons of fry food right there. Used a small sponge filter and floated some moss and a piece of cycled sponge in there. Been throwing hikari first bites in once a day, but not sure if they're eating it. They're about a week and a half old, so just kind of winging it. First fry I've ever had. Oh, really? Well, it sounds like you're doing it right. I'm kind of scared to change the water as I don't want to suck anything up. Yeah. Well, Jeff, that sounds like a great system. Um, Half green water, half regular water, little cycled sponge. Um, Yeah. And that green water will help filter out, you know, a lot of mistakes. So... That sounds awesome. So there you have it. Um, That's a method for getting the peacock gudgeons to go. That sounds awesome. Lumpy Dog, the morning after a poker party in my basement, I found an empty beer bottle in my 75-gallon tank. I was not very happy. Nobody ever confessed to doing it. Now it's a long-running joke. Oh, man. (laughs) No, someone got your goat there. Yeah, yeah. well folks um I am gonna get upstairs and get some water I think we'll we'll shut her down thanks everyone for chiming in Jeff thank you for sharing your experience with uh with the peacock gudgeons I think that will help was it fishing glass like I, uh, who was it that was having trouble with the peacock gudgeons I now I gotta find out now I gotta know yeah fishing glass so hopefully that'll help fishing glass out fishing glass I hope that helps that that actually sounds like an awesome way to do it green water is kind of magical and um so thanks jeff for chiming in thanks for everyone that super chatted bob priscilla and um forgetting one which is not good since um and chef hannibal um and thank you everyone that just kind of hung out and chatted this is always fun and i'm curious to uh look at this back when i'm off medicine and see exactly what I said and what I did. I, I, I'm afraid I might have made a little bit of a hash of it. Sorry, Rod S. Um, let's just blame the meds on, on that one, please. And uh, But anyway, we made it through. <laughs> so that's good. And let's see. Read the last couple comments here, and then we'll shut her down. So Bob Kaler says, I confess, let it go. It was Bob's beer bottle. That's awesome. VStag, thanks for the great stream. Well, thanks for being here. Priscilla, thanks for the stream. You're welcome. QAquatics, oh man, I came just in time for the end. Well, Susie, it's been a little funky. I'm on some medicine. I got my wisdom teeth pulled Monday, so just a couple days ago. And so um, this might be a little bit of a weird one, but glad you're here. <laughs> Fish and Glass says yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Lumpy Dog, thanks for the stream. Thanks for uh, making it fun to everybody. I agree. Oh, and thanks to Lumpy Dog for being a great mod. And thanks to uh, JH for being here with the blue wrench as well. Um, and I think we're going to shut her down. Um, and yeah, in a couple days when I'm off meds, I'm going to see what this actu- what actually happened tonight because right now it's a little fuzzy. But thanks, everybody. I'll see you next Wednesday, I hope. is 7 o'clock Mountain Time. I'm going to go drink some water and take care of this mouth of mine, but have a great day.